Welcome to Digital Detectives, reports from the battlefront. We'll discuss computer forensics, electronic discovery, and information security issues and what's really happening in the trenches. Not theory, but practical information that you can use in your law practice, right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the 83rd edition of Digital Detectives. We're glad to have you with us. I'm Sharon Nelson, president of Sensei Enterprises. And I'm John Simic, Vice President of Sensei Enterprises. Today on Digital Detectives, our topic is Spreadsheets as Evidence, Avoiding Pitfalls and Seizing Opportunities. Before we get started, I'd like to thank our sponsors. We'd like to thank our sponsor, SiteLock, the global leader in website security solutions. Learn more at sitelock.com forward slash legal forward slash digital detectives. We'd also like to thank our sponsor, PINow.com. If you need a private investigator you can trust, visit PINow.com to learn more. We're delighted to welcome as today's guest, Ben Cussman. Ben practices commercial litigation at Wendell's, Marks, Lane, and Mittendorf LLP in New York City, where his cases involve large document reviews, financial accounting experts, and complex discovery motion practice. He created a CLE training program called ESC. Excel Esquire to give other attorneys the skill and confidence they need to successfully navigate in Excel. He presents frequently to law firms, bar associations, and public interest organizations, and writes about the use of Excel in the practice of law at www.excelesquire.com. Thanks for joining us today, Ben. Thank you, John. Thank you, Sharon. Uh, I do love to talk about spreadsheets. Uh, (laughs) It's a very timely topic, even recent events. I think we'll have a lot to talk about. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, Ben, I hate spreadsheets. I don't understand <laughs> spreadsheets. Uh, and I think a lot of lawyers probably fall in, in that bucket as well. So tell me, tell me why spreadsheets present such a challenge for me, other lawyers, and, and including litigators. I think there are a few characteristics of the spreadsheets and a few characteristics of the lawyers that uh, sort of create a perfect storm here. <laughs> be, be, kind, be kind to me, Ben. Be kind. <laughs> Listen, Sharon, you know what lawyers are like. They don't like to admit when they don't know how to do something, and they're reluctant to ask for help. Um, so that's part of the problem. Uh, the spreadsheets themselves are complicated because our clients' employees make spreadsheets uh, all day long. It's their job, and they're very good at it. And these spreadsheets fall into our laps in the form of discovery evidence. Um, either our own client's evidence or evidence that's produced to us in litigation, uh, and it falls to us to understand the evidence. So um, you combine those factors, and another factor that I've observed is that uh, lawyers think that it's a virtue to just grind it out, you know, just grind it out, even if that means spending a few hours churning through something to make it work. when you're dealing with a spreadsheet editing or reviewing a spreadsheet, that's usually not the best way to go about it. And attorneys might not realize that they're spending a few hours doing something that could be done in a few minutes and not asking for help or asking for training. Like I say, it's a perfect storm. It did sound, it did sound like me. Thank you. <laughs> I got your number, Sharon. You, yes, you do. Well, well Ben, un, unlike Sharon, I, I am an engineer undergrad and I have an MBA in finance, so I like spreadsheets. <laughs> but, can you, but I'm sure our listeners would like to know how, how attorneys should approach the review of spreadsheets and, and what are some of the, the important things that they, they should be looking for? 
I guess there's a few overarching rules that I would like to see attorneys apply. The first one is that you shouldn't rely on relativity when you're reviewing spreadsheets. When you bring up a spreadsheet in relativity, there's a, a viewer window where you can sort of see what's in the spreadsheet, but there's a lot that you can't see in that mode. You can't get under the cells and see what the formulas are. You can't expose the hidden content, hidden rows and columns. You can't undo the filters. There's just all kinds of stuff that you're not seeing in that static view that relativity gives you. You should really be downloading those files uh, in native format and reviewing them within Excel, and then you'll get into all the stuff that's really happening in that spreadsheet. A spreadsheet is more like a machine than it is a document. Another thing that I've seen lawyers do is to try to segregate the spreadsheets into one review workflow and then review emails and other documents in another workflow. And what happens when you do that is that you can lose some important context for the emails, for the spreadsheets rather. Um, when people create spreadsheets and they send them to each other in the ordinary course of business, they often send an email explaining what the spreadsheet's for or particular things that they want someone to look at, or they might be sending an email that's sorry, that spreadsheet I sent you 10 minutes ago was the wrong one or it had a mistake, so here's the corrected version. If you set up a workflow where you're only reviewing the spreadsheets, you're losing all that context and you're losing the chance to benefit from, from that context and you're missing out on all those context clues. Lastly, one thing that you really need to do once you've got those files open in Excel is to make sure you're uncovering all that hidden content which means find the hidden rows and columns, undo the filters if any filters are set, and do other things in Excel to make sure that you're really seeing everything that's in there and not just looking at the first tab and the first view that pops up. That's the way uh, a Wells Fargo situation happens is when you produce a spreadsheet without making sure you've looked at everything in the spreadsheet. Ben, in, in eDiscovery, what's the proper format of production for spreadsheets? Well, there was a time when parties would tiff out their spreadsheets, which is to say they would basically print them out into images, just like they would an email or a Word document, even if that data was never meant to be printed out. So what you would get is this 100 or 1,000 page jigsaw puzzle of images that didn't really make any sense, and it was very hard to review them. I can remember as a young associate, or I should say a junior associate, um, I went to law school when I was 30, so I don't think I was ever a young associate. <laughs> That's a junior associate standing at a conference table, piecing together that jigsaw puzzle of hundreds of pieces of paper that used to be uh, a spreadsheet and trying to make sense of it. Uh, we seem to be well past that now. Most parties produce documents, produce Excel spreadsheets in native Excel form. Um, but you still get parties who resist doing that. Um, they don't see the value in it or they don't want to go to the trouble or maybe they have something to hide. That's why they don't want to produce them in native form, um, which is why I like to make sure there's something in my e-discovery stipulation uh, where the parties are agreeing ahead of time that whatever Excel files are in the production are going to be produced in native format. Ben, I'm, I'm with you there, and I've, we always recommend you know, as, as much as possible to get the files in, in native form, but, but I'm sure you've heard this argument as well, too, is the, the opposing counsel, a lot of times they'll say, well, yeah, but I can't redact the data then if I do that. If I give you an Excel spreadsheet, you know, we can't redact that. Is, is that really true? It's not, uh, and I think you probably anticipated that answer. There's a number of ways to redact spreadsheets. 
Uh, one way is to redact them right there in Excel. Uh, you can target the information that needs to be withheld and delete it or replace each cell with the word redacted so it's clear what has been redacted and what hasn't. Uh, and there are other clever things you can do, and I've, and I've talked about some of these things in my blog. You can use the filter in Excel to only display the information that should be produced and then create a targeted printout of that information uh, and produce that. The key is to be really transparent about what you're doing. You don't want to be accused of doing something misleading or making it look like you've produced the entire spreadsheet when you've only produced a selected view of it. And you can do that in the cover letter or explain it in a meet and confer or put that information in the footer of the printout. The key is just to be transparent. So what you've done now by not producing hundreds of TIFF images with most of them redacted is you saved a lot of your own time, you saved a lot of your clients' money, and probably saved a lot of trees along the way. <laughs> well, before we Let move on to One thing about mm -hmm. that, the key okay. to redacting Excel successfully is that you want to be consistent, at least across a given type of file. So you might have a certain weekly report and you've got several years of these reports, but they all need to be redacted. Uh, if you've batched out these documents to four different reviewers, they're probably going to redact them four different ways, and you're not going to get a high-quality production. So you want to either give them to one reviewer and have them responsible for redacting all of them, or else create a workflow and educate the whole team very carefully and supervise them carefully so that you get the same redactions across all versions of that document. Well, great. Well, before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick commercial break. At least 80 of the 100 biggest law firms in the country have been hacked since 2011. Protect your firm and your clients from cyber attacks with SiteLock. Their industry-leading cloud-based suite of website security solutions includes website scanning, web application firewall, including distributed denial of service mitigation, and 24-7, 365 US-based customer support. Give your firm and your clients peace of mind knowing their information is secure. Learn more at sitelock.com forward slash legal forward slash digital detectives. Does your law firm need an investigator for a background check, civil investigation, or other type of investigation? PINow.com is a one-of-a-kind resource for locating investigators anywhere in the U.S. and worldwide. The professionals listed on PI Now understand the legal constraints of an investigation, are up-to-date on the latest technology, and have extensive experience in many types of investigation, including workers' compensation and surveillance. Find a pre-screened private investigator today. Visit www.pinow.com. Welcome back to Digital Detectives on the Legal Talk Network. Today our topic is spreadsheets as evidence, avoiding pitfalls and seizing opportunities. Our guest is Ben Cussman, who practices commercial litigation at Windows Marks Lane and Mittendorf LLP in New York City, where his cases involve large document reviews, financial accounting experts, and complex discovery motion practice. He created a CLE training program called Excel Esquire. So, Ben, isn't there just software you can buy off the shelf on the market that will help you redact spreadsheets? Well, there is and there isn't. Um, I've seen some products recently that are very interesting, and these products 
ostensibly will help you redact a lot of spreadsheets consistently and do that very quickly and accurately. And I guess where I haven't been totally satisfied with these products is that the ones I've seen also want to flatten the spreadsheets, which mean which means that they will get rid of all the formulas and links and a lot of that information that's writing just below the surface. And I don't want to have to give up that information in my in my adversary's documents, which is to say, if, if I use the software and I have to get rid of all the formulas, that means I'm going to have to let my adversary do the same. And I feel like I might be giving up some strategic advantage if I can't look at that content in the other side's documents. So, so far, I haven't gone that route of using that kind of software. Having said that, if I had a situation where I had a lot of spreadsheets with pure data in them and I needed to redact out certain parts of that data, I think some of those tools could be very useful. Well, I know we, we talked in the first segment about how attorneys just try, they try to avoid spreadsheets as much as possible, and Sharon being one of them. But are, are, there, are there any ways that attorneys can, can use spreadsheets to their advantages? Well, sure. Uh, I have kind of an unusual story about using spreadsheets uh, to help a client. This is many years ago when I was doing a mixture of commercial litigation and criminal defense, and we had a uh, a criminal defendant client. Our client was involved in a boiler room fraud scheme in Israel. She was extradited to the United States along with a lot of other members of this fraud. And the U.S. attorney wanted to charge her with all of the economic loss for the entire multi-year span of the fraud, even though she only got involved at the very end. And if you know anything about federal criminal practice, you know that a large part of the sentencing recommendation arises from sentencing enhancements like economic loss. So the more the economic loss, the more your, the higher your sentencing recommendation. So this young lady was looking at many, many years in prison based on activity that she wasn't involved in that all happened before she got involved. And what I did is I was able to piece together some spreadsheets that were recovered from other members of this fraud, which laid out who had done what in the multi- in the multiple years of this fraud, and I was able to put together a master spreadsheet that showed exactly which activity our client was involved in and demonstrated that it was really a very small percentage of the overall fraud. And we did a presentation to the U.S. Attorney's Office, and based on that, we persuaded them to reduce the sentencing guideline for our client. Well, that's a very good result. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice chicken soup. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, Ben, I would never use a spreadsheet as a motion exhibit or a deposition exhibit because I couldn't understand what it was. But how would you use a spreadsheet uh, as a motion exhibit or deposition exhibit? The key, Sharon, is to make it easy to read uh, and be laser-focused on the point that you're trying to make with that spreadsheet. I guess if you were going to use an email or a memo as an exhibit, you would feel like you had to print out the entire email chain or the entire memo, but it's just not practical to try to print out an entire spreadsheet, especially if it could be hundreds or thousands of pages. And I think most parties and most courts understand that. So it does make sense in the, in the sense of a spreadsheet to print out only what you need to make your point. And that might involve using filters or 
selecting a certain print area or using other tricks in Excel to print out just what you need to make your point. Now, of course, you want to be transparent here also. You want to communicate to the court or the witness or whoever the consumer is of this exhibit exactly what you've printed out so that you're not accused of doing something deceptive. But usually everyone is on board with this approach because it's just easier to handle the document than as before you're saving a lot of a lot of money and a lot of trees by creating the smallest printout you can. Well, Ben, do you, do you think that handling spreadsheet implicates the, the lawyer's duty of technical competence, which is, you know, so many states now are beginning to, uh, to endorse the, the ABA's recommendation about that? John, I really do think it does implicate the lawyer's duty of competence, whether you call it a lawyer's duty of competence period or duty of technical competence or technology competence. I really think handling spreadsheets really does implicate this duty. Um, you know, you, a lot of people don't like Excel. A lot of lawyers like Sharon don't like to use Excel <laughs> and you, you don't have to use Excel for certain things. You could use it to manage your billable hours or, or manage a doc review or create exhibits, all kinds of things, but you don't have to. But when it, when part of your job is collecting your client's documents and figuring out which ones to produce and which ones to withhold, or it includes evaluating evidence that's been produced to you by your adversary in litigation, a certain amount of that evidence is going to be in the form of Excel spreadsheets. And you no longer have a choice of not using Excel or burying your head in the sand, um, deciding that y you don't, so at this point, you no longer have a choice about whether to understand Excel or whether to use Excel or not. Uh, part of your job is to evaluate the documents competently. And in this case, it's going to mean understanding how Excel works. So the consequences uh, of not understanding can be pretty dire. You might inadvertently produce information that shouldn't be produced. You might overlook evidence that's important to your case that was produced by the other side. You might fail to prepare your own deposition witnesses properly because you didn't understand one of your own spreadsheets. And then, of course, you can waste a lot of your client's money by spending hours doing things that, that should have been done in a few minutes. So mm. all of these aspects of it implicate a lawyer's duty of competence, I think. Before we move on to our last segment, let's take a quick commercial break. Starting your own solo practice is tough. Hi, my name is Adriana Linares, and I host a show called New Solo on Legal Talk Network. In it, I interview successful lawyers who've gone solo and experts in marketing, management, technology, and everything else you need to know that you didn't learn in law school. Find us on iTunes, Google Play, or at LegalTalkNetwork.com. Welcome back to Digital Detectives on the Legal Talk Network. Today, our topic is spreadsheets as evidence, avoiding pitfalls and seizing opportunities. Our guest is Ben Cussman, who practices commercial litigation at Wendell's, Marks, Lane, and Mittendorf in New York City, and is a recognized Excel expert, which we have already firmly established is rare for a lawyer. Ben, um, did the recent Wells Fargo inadvertent disclosure have anything to do with Excel? Are there lessons that we should take away from that case? 
Well, that was a very interesting situation, and obviously every lawyer's worst nightmare, especially if you do any kind of discovery work. Uh, you know, what happened there, if you haven't heard about it, is that Wells Fargo was responding to a subpoena, so they hired outside counsel in New Jer- a well-known New Jersey firm. Uh, the firm collected a lot of documents, reviewed and produced documents in response to the subpoena, and it turned out they produced a lot of documents that weren't responsive to the subpoena, and that also included a lot of very sensitive financial information about Wells Fargo clients, including um, uh, account information, social security numbers, all kinds of sensitive stuff. And, you know, the fact of that disclosure wound up in the New York Times and quite a lot was written about it. And a lot of fingers pointed in, in many directions over this. Uh, and it was, yeah, it was an epic inadvertent disclosure. I was very interested in the situation just as a e-discovery practitioner. Uh, and I took a deep dive. I read all the affirmations that were filed uh, around that disclosure. I went to a hearing about it. And at the end of the day, it still wasn't really clear exactly what mistakes led to this inadvertent disclosure. But I think it was a combination of uh, relativity mistakes and Excel mistakes and probably some communication mistakes. So I guess to break it down, the lawyer who, who did the inadvertent production, one of the things that she said to explain what happened was that she had reviewed a thousand documents and didn't realize that there were more documents to be reviewed and somehow those additional documents got produced. That sounds like relativity to me. It relatively loads the first 1,000 documents and then you have to click a couple buttons to load the additional documents. Well, that, that clearly would uh, implicate the duty of competence, I would think. Yeah, failing to understand how your document review software works is certainly uh, a problem. Um, (laughs) So when I said there's probably an Excel aspect to this, it occurs to me, and and this is just conjecture, but even in the course of reviewing a thousand documents, you would probably come across some of those Excel spreadsheets. And it's what I think is possible is that some of them were produced because the attorney didn't realize that they contain that confidential information. This gets back to what I was saying before about downloading the document in native form, unhiding rows, unhiding columns, unfiltering the data to make sure you really understand uh, what's in there. It might be that the receiving party was more savvy about Excel and they were able to expose all that information where the uh, producing attorney didn't realize what it is they were producing. Again, just conjecture on my part, but that's certainly the kind of thing that goes wrong when lawyers don't really grasp the documents that they're looking at and producing. You know, and I said there was a communications aspect, and what I meant by that is if you have a good process and you have an open line of communication with your client and an open line of communication with your e-discovery vendor, this kind of thing usually gets caught before it goes out the door. I like to use the buddy system when I'm producing documents, especially if I'm the only one who's reviewed the documents, the only one who's tagged them, dealt with the vendor, put the CD together. If I'm the only lawyer involved in any of that, I want another lawyer to look at what I've done and at least look at the CD to make sure I'm not making some obvious mistakes. Uh, These are the kind of things that can prevent an inadvertent production like this. 
So this gets you back to the duty of technology competence for sure. Um, and that duty certainly includes being familiar enough uh, with the programs you're using not to make these kinds of mistakes, I think. Well, Ben, as, as a final question, can you tell our listeners, how, how can attorneys learn more about Excel and, and using it? Well, there's a lot of things you could do, John. Um, you know, on a day-to-day basis when you're struggling with Excel, trying to figure out what a formula means or trying to figure out uh, how to do something in a document, the first thing I'll usually do is just Google my question and I'll probably find that someone like me has created a five-minute YouTube video explaining exactly what it is I'm trying to do. More generally, I think lawyers probably need to ask for better training. Uh, and that might mean going to your professional development folks and asking them to set up a CLE or asking for more training. And sometimes it's as simple as picking up the phone, calling IT and asking them questions rather than trying to go it alone. Well, we want to thank you so much for all of your help today in illuminating this subject. Uh, maybe not for me, but I, I bet for some of our more savvy listeners. Uh, and I can see that if, if I ever were to need to do any of this again, I would need to educate myself thoroughly or I'd be hauled before the disciplinary folks. <laughs> so, um, you're, you're, <laughs> th- thank you for adding some uh, levity to the subject as well. Uh, and, of course, I, I, I set myself up as a soft target, so... Uh, Thanks for having fun with me on that. (laughs) Thank you, Sharon. I enjoyed it. Well, that does it for this edition of Digital Detectives. And remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate us on Apple Podcasts. And you can find out more about Sensei's Digital Forensics, Technology, and Cybersecurity Services at SENSEIENT.com. We'll see you next time on Digital Detectives. Thanks for listening to Digital Detectives on the Legal Talk Network. Check out some of our other podcasts on LegalTalkNetwork.com and in iTunes.